Well, good morning again. Uh, as Matt said, and as Sky said earlier, my name is Trevor. And if you don't know me, I'm the youth pastor and sometimes the worship dude here. And uh, if you're a guest with us this morning, I'm sure Matt said this, but it's a privilege and an honor to have you guys with us here. I know it's going to be hard to focus on me for a while because I pulled all this stuff up over here and you're wondering what that is and what that's going to be. And I guess most everyone got the memo because no one sat in the front row right here. So it's probably a good thing. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, We've been talking about hope for three weeks now. This is our fourth week talking about hope. And if you missed, you know, one of the first three weeks, they're really foundational, defining what hope truly is. Matt talked about how our hope is eternal and what our hope is in heaven and all those awesome things we get to look forward to. And how as we live our life, we should really be storing up our treasures of hope in eternity in heaven and not here on earth. So if you missed any of those, I would like to point you to uh, explorecrc.com. Go onto our podcast, check it out, because it's really awesome things. Hope is is an encouraging, awesome subject, so check those out. They'll be worth your time. But have you noticed that the people today just desire hope, right? They just crave hope. All of us want hope. And they really get that in the movies. Uh, Most movies, they don't start sad and then end even more sad. You know, there's usually a nugget of hope along the way, and people take heart and go after something. Disney, right? Disney. Most sports movies, it's like some obscure player from some obscure town or something, but then they find hope along the way, and the team is down by like 3,000 points in the fourth quarter, but something happens, and then they make a 5,000-point shot at the buzzer to win it, you know? Like, people crave and desire hope. So today, this morning, I want to I take our hope that, that we've talked about the last three weeks, that hope is that we can have in Jesus Christ and in, in our Lord And really, how do we take that hope and extend it? How do we overflow that hope out of our lives into other people? So we want to talk about those sorts of things this morning. Uh, The verse I'm really going to be focusing on is in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. And it says this in the NIV. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give you the reason of the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Sometimes we cut off that last part. But do this with gentleness and respect. Normally in the Christian faith, we talk about sharing our faith, right? We talk about sharing our faith. But here Peter is focusing on sharing our hope. And there's a difference. Uh, when we share our faith, we're, we're usually looking to the past. We're usually looking back to God sending Jesus into the earth. What Jesus did. That he died for all of our sin. So we could share that faith. We, we look to that he conquered death by rising again three days later. So we share that as part of our faith. Sometimes we look even back to the Old Testament and how Jesus fulfilled all those prophecies of the Old Testament. When we share our faith, sometimes we'll look back at ourselves and say, you know, this is the kind of person I was before I had God in my life. I was this or I was that and I used to punch people or whatever. But, but now my life has changed. We're, look, we're looking back. But when we share our hope, we're really focusing on the now, on the present, but really on the future. Things that we have to hope for. Eternity that we have to hope for. God's promises throughout the scripture that we could hope in and hope for. We're looking ahead. We're saying to our friends and our family and others that don't yet know Christ, you know, here's why I'm confident about my future. Here's why I can be so optimistic in a world that's 
usually negative, tries to, to tear us down, a world that's pessimistic. We share our hope. We're looking ahead to the future. You know, someone may ask us, why are you so optimistic? You know, why do you have this joy and this, you're just okay. You're just okay when things aren't okay. Why do you have that? Those are the kind of questions that Peter says we need to be able to answer by sharing our hope. Um, Some of you know who Tony Dungy is. He used to be the coach of the Indianapolis Colts. They won a few Super Bowls. They got a really good quarterback there. I forget his name. Um, But Tony Dungy wrote a book called Quiet Strength. Uh, It's really because people kept asking him these types of questions. Like, why do you have this hope? If you don't know Tony Dungy's life, uh, his son committed suicide later in his life, and a lot of just really terrible things that happened to him along the way. But he remained focused on the Lord and continued to have this hope inside of him, and people were able to see it. So they're asking him, and he wrote this book. Tony Dungy says this, I like the saying that life is hard, but God is good. It's because of God's goodness that we can have hope, both for the here and the hereafter. See, people asked him to reveal his hope, and so he did through this book, just like the Bible tells us that we should do. So, how do we do that? What does that look like? How can we accomplish that? How do we share our hope? So in that same scripture we looked at a little bit ago, there are three things that we're going to focus on this morning that tells us how we can share our hope to others around us. But first, would you join me in prayer? God, you are awesome, you are good. And so, Lord, I just ask for you to speak through me this morning. Let the ears and the hearts be open to listen, Father. And may your words and your scripture change us this morning. Help us to know how we can have hope for ourselves, but also how we could share that hope to our loved ones, to our friends, to our family, to our co-workers. And we pray this in your name, Father. Amen. So what do I need to do to get ready to share my hope? What steps can I take to make sure not only that I'm living out that hope for myself and other people could see it and take heart, But how do I be able to explain it so other people will know how to take the steps to have that hope in their lives? The first thing that we really need to do is to set apart Christ as Lord in my heart. The scripture says, but in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. It's a pretty literal translation there. I went to two years of Bible school just so I could do that type of thing. Set in your part. All right, I got it. Point number one. Done. Got it. Set apart Christ as Lord of your heart. The word Lord, it really means, you know, master, head honcho, dude that calls the shots, the one in charge, master of our hearts. We need to move from this place where we decide what's best for ourselves, for our life, to a place where we're really trusting God, trusting Christ and follow his leadership and his authority in our lives. You know, that, that's the first step of effectively sharing our hope with others. Bill Hybels, pretty well-known guy, in one of his books, he wrote this. Recently, I saw a letter written by a relatively new Christian to the person whose life had influenced hers so greatly. She actually lists about a dozen qualities she found contagious in the life of this older Christian. Listen to some of what she wrote. You know, when we met, I began to discover a new vulnerability, a warmth, and a lack of pretense that impressed me. I saw in you a thriving spirit, 
No signs of internal stagnation anywhere. I could tell you were a growing person, and I like that. I saw that you had strong self-esteem, not based in the fluff of self-help books, but on something a whole lot deeper. I saw that you lived by convictions and priorities, not just by convenience, selfish pleasure, and financial gain. And I had never met anyone like that before. I felt a depth of love and concern as you listened to me and didn't judge me. You tried to understand me. You sympathized and you celebrated with me. You demonstrated kindness and generosity, and not just to me, but to others as well. And you stood for something. You were willing to go against the grain of society and follow what you believed to be true, no matter what people said, no matter how much it cost you. And for those reasons and a whole host of others, I found myself really wanting what you had Now that I've become a Christian, I wanted to tell you that I'm grateful beyond words for how you lived out your Christian life in front of me. So what gives this person this sort of, you know, vibe, this sort of aura about them? What makes that person just kind of glow and stand out? Well, it starts with setting our heart apart for the Lord. It's it's really a pivotal thing, and... We really have to understand this if we're going to make that step to impress others with our hope. Why does, why does Peter use this frame of words of setting it apart? Well, in the Old Testament, they used to set apart many utensils for the Lord's work. They'd set apart furniture. They'd set apart days and times. Like the Sabbath, for instance, was set apart for a time of worship and for rest. And some of you, you know, have fine china that you set apart in your china cabinet for special occasions. Some of you have maybe, maybe only used it one or twice, you know. Uh, some of us have special wardrobes that we set apart that we're only going to wear to weddings or to something. Like for me, I set this apart just for today for you guys. So this is a special setting apart for the Lord's work thing for me. Yeah. But now here in the New Covenant, in the New Testament... God tells us that the one thing that needs to be set apart for Him, for His glory, for His work, is our heart. That He must reign. And in order for our lives to be attractive to others who do not yet know Jesus Christ, and I'm considering it a given that those of us who are Christ followers want others that are non-Christians to follow Christ, right? Matthew 28 was referenced earlier. should... We should want to share this hope that we have with others, so I'm considering that a given. But for that to happen, in order for others to want what we have, it begins when we have this, and I'll use royal terminology because apparently that's popular in today's culture. We're all concerned with happening over there. So we need to have this, this royal coronation in our heart, really where we're setting Jesus on the throne and crowning him King and Lord over our lives and our decisions in our heart. Why our heart? Why our heart? You know, what what does the Bible have concerning you know this organ that pumps blood to the rest of our body? Like, what's up with that? Well, really, here it's talking about our emotions. You know, the center, the core of our being, of who we are. When we're really committed to something, we say, you know, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Because the top of my heart isn't very trustworthy. So from the bottom of my heart, I mean it. <laughs> I don't know who came up with that. Or we say things like, I love you with all of my heart, right? Like with all that I am, the core of who I am, all that I am. This is the first step of sharing our hope. Christ 
must rule in our hearts. You know, we can't rule. Pleasures can't rule. Others can't rule. God must rule in our lives. And, you know, this doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect because, you know, everyone makes mistakes. But it does mean that we recognize God as the ultimate authority in our lives. You know, we realize that we're much better off when we live the life that God wants us to live. And that's, that's really what attracts other people to our hope. Because they see Jesus in us. Because Jesus, you know, was one attractive dude. I don't know if you know this, but... He's one, one attractive dude. That's why every, everyone on earth, when he was on earth, wanted to be around him. Like crowds would come and flock around Jesus because they were attracted to his quality of life, to his hope, you know, to the characteristics Jesus had. People wanted that for themselves, so they were drawn to Jesus. And it's the same thing. If we want people to see our hope they need to see that Jesus in us, that quality of life, that hope, those characteristics that Jesus had, they need to see lived through our lives. You know, if there's a, there's a contradiction between what I want to do and what God wants me to do, like, I don't know, God wants me to go to church and I want to sleep in, that's probably bad because I, I might get fired if I don't show up. But, you know, if you get the picture, right? Yeah, you get what I'm saying? Like, all right, pick God's way over our own. You understand? Cool. The benefit for this is, you know, people will really begin to see the hope inside of us when we practice this type of lifestyle. I mentioned Tony Dungy's book, Quiet Strength, earlier. And there's a chapter in there. He's talking about when he got drafted into the league, the NFL. Um, and he got drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers, the worst team of all time. I think everyone in this room would agree. And... He, Tony Dungy was a, cord, a cornerback, which is a defensive position. And at that time, the Pittsburgh Steelers had what they called the Steel Curtain. Some of you who are football enthusiasts know what the Steel Curtain is. But long story short, they're a bunch of pretty rough and tough hombres. Like, you would not want to go against these guys. Like, they would hit you and it'd be a career-ending injury. Like, that kind of brute force, strength, scariness, mustache, the whole thing. So... He, he went in with his precedent thinking there are going to be some pretty scary dudes on this steel curtain Steeler defense. But he ends up finding out that a lot of them are pretty intense Christians. And uh, he gets invited to one of their in-depth uh, Bible studies, I guess. And this is what he says. He says, I had known from a young age that I was going to heaven, but I had never fully engaged God and let him direct my moment by moment until I see these others, other guys doing it. I had been a good kid by and large. I stayed out of trouble, was usually polite, and stood up for my values. Yet the concept of putting God first in everything I had hadn't been my primary focus. Finally, I understood, and I started to move from being a casual Christian to a fully committed follower of Christ. And this is really where our hope begins. When we move from that casual Christian stance to a place where we're a fully committed follower of Christ, we're putting Him first in all of our decisions, and that hope is really starting to come out of us, and it's visible, and it's gleaming to other people. Others will be able to realize that Jesus is your Lord, and it's kind of like someone who just fell in love, right? right? They're walking on the clouds, they got this shine, this smile, their, their steps are further or something. I don't know. But there's something noticeably different about them. And it's the same thing 
when we set apart Christ as Lord of our heart? It's kind of like this. All right, you guys are wondering. We'll go over here now. So I used to be a children's pastor. I'd like to point that out now. So this is why I like to do things like this. But we'll say this is, and if this doesn't work, I'm going to feel really horrible. So here we go. We're casual Christians. We'll consider this a quarter of the way full because we're optimists, right? This isn't three quarters empty. This is one quarter full. This is our lives right here. And really, when we make God the center of who we are, you know, the, the, the core of who we are first in all of our choices, and he begins to fill us up with that hope, his hope doesn't just fill us up to the top and then we're done, right? The hope comes out of us. It's visible. It's seen by others, and it can really flow into other people's lives. So I'm going to step back after this. People on the podcast is really going to miss this, right? Yeah. Everyone should, like, clap and chant. And No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's okay. So you see, the hope just keeps coming out. Like, that's just going to keep going for a while. Is that steaming, too? Apparently, hope is a little steamy, right? I didn't know that, but the hope just pours out. It doesn't just fill us up to the top. It just keeps flowing out. That is a visible thing. You could see that that person has hope. It's coming out everywhere. Cool. So, if I'm to share my hope, first, I must set apart, I hope that doesn't bleach the carpet, I apologize, (laughs) things you could do when Pastor John isn't here. Set apart Christ as Lord in my heart, and next, I must be prepared to explain why I have hope. Always be prepared to give an answer. Be prepared. I think of uh, Whoopi Goldberg and the Laughing Hyenas and the Lion King. Anyone with me? The Be Prepared song, which totally creeped me out as a kid. Be prepared. You know. All right. Children's pastor. Going back to that. For a lot of Christ followers, now this this is the problem. This is the trip up in this whole process here, is being prepared to explain the hope that we have. Some have Jesus as Lord of their heart, you know, set apart their heart for him. Others may see that in them and want that hope for themselves. But when it comes to talking about it, when they're asked about it, it's difficult. It's hard for them to answer. You know, why, why are you so positive and so excited about your life and so hopeful for the future? I just kind of am, I guess. I'm a happy person for the most part. Cool, my life has changed. You know, like, we need to be prepared for those types of of situations to give those types of answers and you know various excuses are given some are maybe a little bit more credible than others but they're still all excuses you know i don't i don't know the bible all that well or i'm not that quick on my feet i'm not that witty or i'm I'm afraid they're going to ask me something that i don't really know that much about in the early days of the church peter and john were doing god's work and they had actually just healed a crippled man here in Acts chapter 4. And the hypocritical religious authorities are opposing them here, Peter and John, and saying, you guys can't do this, you can't share your hope about Jesus, you can't perform these miracles, all these things. And they try to scare them from continuing to share their hope. And this is what they say here in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. The leaders saw that Peter and John were not afraid to speak. And they understood that these men, check this out, had no spiritual training or education. They had no spiritual training or education. 
So they were amazed. Then they realized that Peter and John had been with Jesus. It's more important, just being with Jesus. No spiritual training. They didn't go to seminary. They didn't go for the, in their times, their Jewish schools for scholars and scribes. Yet they still chose to share their hope and live out their hope and their actions. In fact, they're, they continued sharing their hope and they continued to be confronted by these religious hypocrites. And they were called back again, continuing in verse 18 through 20. They called them back and warned them that they were on no account ever again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John spoke right back. Whether it's right in God's eyes to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. As for us, there's no question. We can't keep quiet about what we've seen and what we've heard. What we've seen and what we heard. Our hope, man. We can't stay quiet about our hope. It's our hope. We're excited about it. We're going to tell people about it. The beauty of sharing our hope is that it's your hope. It's exciting. It's your hope. It's what we've experienced. It's what we've seen. It's what we've heard. You don't need, you know, fancy theological or philosophical answers. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason of the hope that you have. So why, ask yourself, why do I have hope in Christ? I would encourage you at some point to sit down and write it out. Again, Matt gave some awesome reasons why we have hope in God, and you can listen to him and maybe get you started there. But sit down and write out why you have this hope in God. Why should you be excited about the now and the future with your relationship with God? In order to share my hope, I must set apart Christ as Lord in my heart be prepared to explain why I have hope. And lastly, we need to do it with gentleness and respectfulness toward others. When I set apart Christ as Lord in my heart and I prepare myself to share my hope with others, I need to understand that how I share it is just as important as sharing it itself. That we really need to balance our enthusiasm with gentleness and respectfulness you know we can't run over other people's opinions with this bulldozer of hope and expect them to want what we have that's not the way it was designed that's not how it should happen we can't you know intimidate or coerce people to accepting our hope being pushy is not the right way to share hope because what is pushing to do you know it, it pushes people you push someone, they're going to be pushed away from the gospel, pushed away from the good news, not going to be accepting of it. They don't need to be judged or preached at or looked down upon. They need to experience, they need to see that hope that we have. It's looking pretty awesome over there. <laughs> We're not looking to be offensive with the good news about Jesus. We want people to be attracted to Christ and Christ in us. And it's our attitude about sharing the good news that really makes that big difference. You guys remember the story of Jesus entering Jericho. And there's tons of people there. Again, Jesus is an attractive dude. They want to be around him. And there's a guy named Zacchaeus that's there. And he's heard about Jesus, wants to see and experience Jesus for himself for the first time. But he's not that tall. So it's kind of having a hard, try, hard time looking through the crowd 
And Zacchaeus was a tax collector, so no one really liked him. I'm sure he asked, hey, can you move so I could see Jesus? And they probably didn't respect him too much. So he climbs up in the sycamore tree to see Jesus, to experience him for himself. When Jesus came by, Luke chapter 19, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down, for I must be a guest in your home today. I'll begin to start wrapping up. You're probably looking at the story, and if you're like me, you like to anticipate, like when you watch a movie, you try to guess the end. When you hear someone give a, a sermon, you like to guess what their closing statement's going to be. I don't know, maybe that's just my game that I play with myself. So you say, okay, I get the story. I understand this. We're supposed to be like Jesus, because I know that Zacchaeus was looked down for being a tax collector, and no one liked him. He's a pretty bad dude. But Jesus still accepted him and made time for him and wanted to sit down with him and share with him his hope. And I would say to you, yes, whenever you say we're to be like Jesus, that is probably a good idea. We should be like Jesus all the time. Try to, at least. But not only are we supposed to be like Jesus here in the story, but we're also supposed to be like that sycamore tree that lifted Zacchaeus up to experience and see Jesus for that first time. Now, we can't forgive sins like Jesus can, but we can hold others up to see and experience Jesus for themselves. You know, our job is to show others how valuable they are to God, how much He loves them, how much He's promised them, how much He's done for them, how much they could hope in Him for the future and for themselves. So how are you doing with this? How are you doing with having hope for yourself and letting it overflow out of your life to others? Have you set apart Christ as Lord in your heart? You know, are you prepared, willing, and ready to explain that hope that you have? You know, are you gentle and respectful in those opportunities that you do get to share hope with others? You know, it, it's kind of a a cool thing, you know. I don't know how many people have had an opportunity to share that hope or been in a position to share hope, but it's just, there's nothing like it. When someone asks you to share that hope in your life and you say, you know, it's because of God, it's because of what He's done, but it's because of the promises of the future that I don't need to be worried about what's happening on the earth right now. I need to be worried about this little thing or that little thing because my God is bigger and greater than all that. It's just, it's awesome. So I pray that uh, you guys would, you know, take an opportunity this week. This would be a good application to pray and ask God just to give you that one person this week. Give that one opportunity that comes up to you and asks you to share the reason for your hope and the joy, the fruitfulness of your life. It's awesome. There's nothing like it.